Three, two, one. Alrighty, welcome to Smug Boys podcast. This is our first one, so I will uh, go ahead and just introduce myself, and then uh, I will allow my co-host here, Toby, to do the same, and we'll talk about ourselves and uh, how we met each other and what uh what we plan on doing with this with this podcast um well i uh i am wesley and uh, uh let's see talk about ourselves what uh what 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 should we say i'm a man who likes cars and anime and uh sometimes games not very good, but it is what it is. Um, now you can introduce yourself, Toby. All right. Oh, well, um, you know, obviously, my name's Toby. I've, you know, been in the cars ever since. You know, I can remember as a kid. You know, working in the car with dad and granddad out in the driveway. But uh, it's, you know, definitely been a, a lifetime passion of mine. Something I'm very very passionate about and uh some of my other hobbies like wesley said is watching anime playing games and uh you know every now and then i'll you know mess around and play some music but uh that's my main points of interest yeah we're not very um extravagant people but uh i didn't want to go too far into the actual like introductions without you know um just like we said, we do like cars, but I wanted to save like how we got into them and everything like that for just kind of further into the podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and kind of talk about how I uh, got into cars. Uh, pretty much been like that my entire life. Um, grew up. Around cars, I think I went to my first car show whenever I was two months because I was born in October and they had the car show down in Daytona Beach in November. So, yeah, been that pretty much that way pretty much my entire life, although it's been American muscle. And then when I turned 15, I got a 63 Chevy 2 Nova. And that was the car that me and my dad worked on and um, fixed up and was able to drive to school. And then I went to one show, two car shows with it. And then um, my dad happened upon a 72 Nova V8 car and sold the 63, went and picked that up. It was gold with rally wheels. We um we fixed that up and then I drove that in high school and then I th- think after I graduated high school I had it for like another year and then we sold that because my dad found a panel truck 56 Chevy panel truck and we got that fixed it up. 
relatively fixed it up. It was already in pretty good condition. And um, that's around the time that I met Toby, which was in college. And he and most of my other friends were had um, import cars. I think you had what's an Eclipse in college? Yeah, when I, when I first met you is when I was driving my Eclipse. And some other friends had like uh, SER Sentras and, and Hondas and stuff like that. And that kind of got me to the import scene. So I had a I had a lowered uh, S10 Blazer at the time. And then I sold that because I wanted something imported. Or not imported, like brought over, but I wanted an import. So we went and found my first five-speed car, which was a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. And when, in which I, like any kid did, uh, bought Raceland coilovers. <laughs> And uh, installed those, threw it on some Avid One wheels. It didn't look too bad, but it was slammed and then drove it until the uh, oil pan busted. And they fixed that and it busted again. Yeah, so I say, didn't you bust it more than once? Yeah, the same oil pan we had welded, but then we just got a new one. And then I wanted a Nissan 240SX. I wanted specifically an S13 coupe, but we couldn't find one at the time. So I bought a um, S13 hatch, in which, of course, the next day we found a S13 coupe for the same price. But I've come to fall in love with the hatch that I have, and now I well, I have two. We'll get to that. Um, after buying that car, I, uh, kind of split driving the panel truck and the 240 a lot. Um, then my dad had a 39 Hudson at the time. I think it was a 39, I believe so. And, um, he was tossing around the idea of like selling it or trading it. And that just was got me into the mindset of like, yeah, maybe I can do the same and figure out and I can probably find something different. So I sold that or I wanted to trade it, but some dude offered me more money than I was asking for. So obviously there's always a price on stuff. Something. So anyway I sold that and ended up buying a 66 Beetle. Um, that had air shocks in the front and was just lowered in the rear. And that was New Year's Day. And I had entered it into the Import Alliance. Um, old, I think it was the old school. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, before you get too far past the, the Beetle, you should uh, let the people know about its uh, celebrity ties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we are based in Georgia, and I went to the 
I was going to buy one that was, I think, static. But we found one that was closer and I think a little bit cheaper. But it was it needed a little bit more work, which it needed a lot more than what we thought. But it was in a tattoo shop, which just so happened to be the same guy who tattooed, either tattooed or tattoos Walk a Flock of Flame. So that was pretty neat to to figure out. But yeah, it's it's a it's a car owned by someone who knew a famous man. So like pretty neat to tell people, but anyway. Um yeah, we went to you get in, entered in uh and accepted into the, the old school import alliance thing, in which at that time it the car didn't even run. I think we'd got it fired up once, but it didn't run consecutively. It, it ran once and it backfired and misfired like crazy. Yeah, so we, me, Toby, and I think two of our other friends, two or three of our other friends, the show was in like three months. So we started ripping the car apart, like taking everything out of the. I think it was completely stripped from like the inside. The spare tire can't was out. We were fixing some stuff. And I, I think everything except for the motor got pulled from that car. Yeah, I think motor and like rotors, like the main components to where it could still roll were still there. We had completely redone the interior, almost, I think, all of the brakes on it. We added a. I guess "quote unquote" air management system. It was a um, compressor that you would mount to a truck for like the, those air shocks, but it worked. So you could air it out uh, as you were in the car. Um, we did that. Got the you know, completely new interior. Got it running good, and the only thing that I didn't do, in which my dad told me to do was to change tires, get new tires, but I was like, oh, no, these will be fine. It's only like an hour right away to Atlanta. So the day comes, everything was going fine. There was a couple of hiccups. We ran over some train tracks, and the car popped a fuse for whatever reason. Couldn't figure it out. So we replace the fuse and it would pop it again and then we unplugged some random thing on the on the fuse box and it stopped popping fuses and we were able to get it back on the road drove it all the way up to Atlanta and it um also knocked one of the carburetors loose so it was just sucking way too much air so it wasn't running right then we go there we go to the gas station and then I think Toby realizes that something wasn't right with the tire and then we look at it well yeah because I was you know while you were putting gas in it I'd gone inside to get a drink and when I came back out I realized the car was kind of sitting you know like leaning to one side more than the other so I, I knew immediately something wasn't right yeah so he pointed out to me that the tire had run to the cords and actually run flat so Luckily, my parents were nice enough to bring the trailer and the 240 
all the way up to Atlanta and we were able to swap cars and the next morning the T forty was running fine that entire week before. You know how like everyone says that the cars have a personality, which I I guess that this one was just mad at me for not choosing it in the first place. It overheated in line, so we legit had to push the car through the line and it was for people and for anyone who listens and like goes to the import alliance shows knows that there's like oh yeah, those lines over, are insane over a thousand cars maybe two thousand so these cars they sit in a line from like usually around six thirty in the morning to maybe eight and then you get in so we had to push the car through most of the line which was a pain but you do meet a lot of cool people there um so we did that. The Volkswagen didn't last too much longer after that. We, or not, I traded it for a 1960 Chevy Biscayne four-door, um, straight six, three on the tree. Pretty fun car to drive. Just a lot of rust. And then I kind of quickly got bored of that. And then I traded it for a SR20 DET powered S14. That was a really fun car. The only issue was it was it needed to be, uh, it was totaled um, due to the floods in texas i believe yeah the dude who i got it from i knew from high school he drove it from texas to georgia and i don't know how he didn't get stopped but anyway it needed to be re-inspected and retitled as a salvage title and it just was going to take too much of my time and probably money so i traded that for a s13 hatch shell with a type x kit on it it had a motor and transmission in it, but the dude who whose car used to be one of the transmission, which was fine with me, so I pulled the motor and transmission, gave him the transmission, it was fine. I was originally going to keep that that car and I it had been backed into so the quarter was kind of stuffed in. But I originally wanted to be crazy and like rotary swap it and do like a Chocaton or like Verso style build with crazy exhaust and exaggerated features. But I think money got tight again, so I ended up selling that to one of my friends. Although I did take I took the kit off of it and kept the motor. So I did that and then one of uh, my other call friend anymore. He had a R thirty two GTST he was getting ready to sell and he needed the money so Figured I'd help him, so I uh, pulled some strings and was able to get that car. I enjoyed it. was pretty fun. It was a dream car, obviously. Everyone that's in the import usually wants a right-hand drive car, let alone an R32 Skyline. And um, I had that, which made it into the the Import Alliance Showcase, as well as um, the 240, the red one, or my first first hatch. That that has a, a very special place in uh in my heart, honestly. I think it's got a special place in both our hearts, man. I fucking I feel like I love that car just as much as you do. It's it was the car that I was really able to buy with my money. Like I worked hard to pay for that car, and uh, yeah, so it's gone through several renditions. Whenever I got it, it was pretty much stock. Um, Except for I had 17-inch wheels, which were way too big for the car, for it to be stock. It was monster trucking. So we bought it. Then the first thing was I'd use, I got some like, cheap $400 coilovers, a 
ISR exhaust, straight pipe blast pipes, which is what's on it now still. I got the Origin Lab ducktail boiler, and that's what I rode on for a little bit, and then I decided to go down to 16s, so I got 16-inch chrome Whistler wheels. And then when I got the chance, and I got the extra money from selling all the stuff, and I got the Type X kit, I put that on, paint matched it, and... Funny enough, the day that it got painted, I was getting ready to put it on the car. I got to an accident. This person didn't go. They should have, and I barely ran out of the back of them. But it bent the headlight uh, metal piece on the pop-ups. Bent that, bent the fender in. So it was a little disappointing, but I'm glad I didn't have the bumper on. But that was before a show that we were going down to Florida for. So at least it didn't damage the car any more than it did. So I am thankful for that. But anyway... It had well, went and bought bought three spoke Advan SA3s, 16 inch, which I have I was never able to find them on the 240s, so I wasn't sure how they were gonna look. But we got them. I stuck them on the car and fell in love with them. And now the car is going through its third, I guess, quote unquote, change. It's going. I'm going to do a sil 40 conversion, so it's getting the Sylvia front. I was going to do like all origin aero, but I think I just want to go back to stock body instead of running really, really wide fenders due to the car that I have now, which we'll get into. But that's where it is. That's where it sits right now. It's got a rebuilt uh, K24DE in it that we rebuilt twice um, because of some issues that were just dumb. But anyway, back to the Skyline. Um, had that for a few months and then sold that to one of my good friends. Um, and I needed a cheap daily, so... But whenever you're into lowered cars and stuff like that, cheap isn't really something that you can go by. I bought a 1995 Honda Odyssey with, I think, 170 or 180,000 miles on it, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, I bought BC Racing Coilover for it. I bought Work Rezax 17-inch wheels for it. bought a Lip for it some aftermarket tail lights. That was about it. We repainted the car the stock OEM blue, but we added some um, green pearl to it. And um, then we sold that because I wanted I wanted something manual and fun to drive. So we sold that and then I paid off a lot of the stuff that I needed to. Then I ended up getting one of my friends. He has a naturally aspirated uh, SR20DE, naturally aspirated SR20DE powered S13 hatch with over fenders, wide wheels, and the motor came out of an S14, and that's what I have right now as a daily. So it's been a long run from going from American Muscle to where I'm at now, but I I, I enjoy both sides. So yeah, I'll let um I'll let Toby take over and tell his story. I really I don't think it'll take nearly as long as mine. Okay, no, I haven't had nearly as many cars as you have. Mine's going to be nothing compared to yours. I'm going to uh, grab me something to drink real quick. So uh, all right, go for it, man. <coughs> but uh, yeah, so my story, you know, I also came from the same humble beginnings as Wesley, you know, like I said, working on cars as a kid with my dad and grandpa. But um, apparently from what my, my mom tells me, um, I've been in the cars ever since, you know, before I could even remember because she would tell me whenever my grandpa came over in his old, like, you know, I think it was a Dodge Ram Dually. 
apparently I thought the fact that it had four wheels in the back was just the coolest shit. So I would just stand out in the driveway and just look at my grandpa's truck for, you know, hours. And all I ever wanted to do is, you know, go for rides in the truck. And, uh, you know, so from that point on, you know, obviously birthdays and Christmas, they knew, you know, every, every year we're going to get Hot Wheels, RC cars, stuff like that. So, you know, come, you know, time I was in like late elementary school, early middle school, um, my dad had gotten a 1967 Chevy C20 from his dad who, uh, who had just passed away. And I was like, okay, cool. New truck, new experiences. So, um, you know, we've been working on that C20, trying to get it back to showroom condition for a while now. And um, it had just recently been signed over into my name. So now I'm the one responsible for getting all the parts and everything for it and making sure that the restoration gets finished. But, uh, you know, other than that truck, I have a 2006 Honda Rebel. For those of you who are into riding motorcycles, um, if you want it, I am going to be selling it because I don't have time to work on it because of the truck. And, uh, you know, starting out with, you know, my love for import cars, I I don't remember exactly what it was, but like, what model car it was. But my friend's older brother, I remember, had this, you know, lowered car, super loud nice wheels body kit on it and you know for like 2007 it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen so from that point on i was like okay i gotta learn more about japanese cars and because i'd never seen anything like it before so through doing my research i'd uh come across drifting and i was like you know this this is something i've been missing out on so and that was like early high school like ninth grade so from that point on, I was like, okay, I got to find a cheap rear-wheel drive car so I can learn how to do this myself. So I'd gotten a uh, 1994 Mazda Miata and immediately was like, I got to go to an empty parking lot and learn how to do donuts, learn how to do skids. So that's what I'd do. Um, you know, on the weekends, I would just go out and find an empty place where I could just abuse the hell out of this car. Well, you know, eventually me being unexperienced and just you know, sending it, I had wrecked that car. And after I wrecked that, I had, you know, driven the Toyota Camry for a while. I was looking for another car, which, you know, boring grocery getter Camry. And I had found a Mitsubishi Eclipse GS for dirt cheap. I think I paid like 1500 for it and uh, drove that car throughout the rest of high school and uh, into the beginning of you know, going to college, but then, um, one day Mitsubishi being what Mitsubishis are, it decided that it wanted to not have pistons anymore and shot a piston straight through the valve cover and through the hood of the car. And I was just stuck in the middle of an intersection and to push my car down the street into a parking lot. And I remember this vividly cause I was on the way to go see, um, I don't remember what movie it was. I was on the way to the theater with my friends on the other side of town. So I, you know, called my dad to get a trailer and, you know, pick me up and bring me back home. And because it was like, you know, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, he was asleep already. So I had to leave my car in this parking lot overnight and just pray that it didn't get stolen while I, had, you know, went to the movie and gone home and came back the next evening. But uh, 
I salvaged what I could off that car and sold it and used that money to buy another Miata that uh, is a lot better than the first one. The first one was a 1.6 liter, but the one I'd gotten after that was a 1995 M edition. So it was the, the 1.8 and the guy I'd bought it from already had done some work to it and had a bunch of, you know, extra stuff for me that, you know, he couldn't use. So he just gave it to me with the car. So for three grand, I got a 95 M edition and the guy had coilovers for it that he gave me with it. He had fabricated his own roll cage that he hadn't installed yet. So that came with the car and he had just put a set of, um, of wheels on it. So I was like, okay, I'm pretty happy with this because it's already got, you know, all the mods that I want to do are coming with the car. And, you know, over time I've, you know, done my own stuff to it. I put a front lip on it that because the car is low, it got smashed and torn off. And, uh, I mean, that's still my current car. I'm hoping one day, hopefully soon, to either buy an S14 or an AE86 and have, you know, that as, you know, drive-to-work car. And I just want to turn the Miata into a track monster. But uh, that's, that's pretty much my history of vehicles owned. Yeah, we, we uh, I think by far I'm the second person with, like, the most cars in our group. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the cars and then I wanted to kind of discuss more of like how we met and how we become. Okay. Yeah. Friends. Think, yeah. So like we had like said, me and Toby met each other, uh, in college. Um, I was just, I was just starting college and I was obviously nervous that um someone else or uh, that I wasn't gonna know anyone else there. And to my surprise, I got there, got to the room that I was supposed to go to, and one of my friends from uh, pretty much childhood, uh, we'd known like we had talked and hung out off and on for years, and he was there. So I mean, immediately I had someone that I could connect to, and I think it was like second or third week forget what we were talking about i think i was like i wanted to take some pictures of cars or something like that and then i th- think you spoke up about it and i was like oh yeah we can go and wash uh, our cars or something like that and hang out and you we went out there and we looked at your car and obviously to me it wasn't the nicest thing oh dude to anyone it wasn't the nicest thing that eclipse was a piece of shit i abused the hell out of that car <laughs> but but um it wasn't the, wasn't the nicest thing I mean, obviously, we were just college kids. So the exhaust was rusting and falling off of it. I don't know if you remember how bad that car sounded, but it, I think I've only—I think I'd only seen it like twice before. It, it blew up pretty soon after I met you. So, but in all honesty, I pretty much like certain that I don't think I would have gotten this far into liking Japanese cars or even the culture as a whole if I didn't meet you. Yeah. Until I met you, that like I really like I knew what drifting was and like formula drift stuff like that, but I didn't know like I didn't know who KGCGO was. I didn't know really initial D or anything like that. I don't know if you heard that. That was my dog. Um, <laughs> I didn't know who them they were or anything like that. But once I met him, he kind of introduced me of like more of the like Japanese culture, Japanese car culture, uh, and now. 
become like a big inspiration on a lot of the stuff that I do, like whether it's designing car liveries or even what I want to take the direction of my one of my S13s. And it's usually influenced by some sort of Japanese car culture. I say I remember when we had first met, and I would you know I'd bring up something about you know like like Shakatan cars or like Kusha and stuff like that, and you'd be like, "What are you talking about? I don't know what these words mean." <laughs> I yeah, remember they're... sitting sitting in the shop like during lunch breaks, and just it was like a second class for you, just learning about JDM car culture. Yeah, like I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a 240x SX was. I didn't. Because remember, there was one kid that had an S14 in in our class, and I just looked at it. And I was like, "Huh, this is a neat car." I mean, it's got, got cool badges, but I didn't think. I don't think I would have like. You didn't. You didn't know why that car was special. <laughs> yeah, I was just like looking at it and thinking like, "Eh," but like looking back on it, if I if I had the cars that I had, I have now back in high school, um, I think. Or even if I had the same knowledge, I think I would have a deeper appreciation for that car. I don't know what ever happened to it, but I really have just a deeper appreciation for Japanese car culture as a whole. Um, whether it's, like like you said, the Shakatan, the Boso-style cars or whatever. Or even just like the Street Drifters or D1 or anything like that. Like I didn't even know what work wheels were back then, let alone that Advan even existed. And look at you now, you've got a set of both. <laughs> yeah, I've owned two sets of work wheels, a set of Advans, and I've owned four S-chassis now. And I really, really like... Once I bought Nissan, or once I bought a Nissan, and just started like looking at all their cars and stuff like that, looking at their motors, I've really fallen into like deeper love of Nissan as a brand, and... Like, looking at the cars that they're coming out with now and the cars that they have now, it's a little disappointing, but... Uh... Oh, no, I feel like Nissan's saving the this, you know, sports car genre with, you know, actually putting out a car with a six-speed manual and not paddle shifters. Yeah, I think that'll be... I'm glad they brought back. But, um, yeah, uh, for that, we can we can save that. For another another episode, but I just had some other stuff I wanted to to move on to. But actually, let's wait, and we'll I'll hold that off. As since this is the first episode, let's and then we talked a lot about of our cars. At least I know I have. I, you probably don't have a whole lot of input. I guess I, my story wasn't nearly as long as yours. Um, how about we talk about like how we got into anime stuff like that? In anime, okay. I mean. I feel like yours is a lot more exciting than mine. I mean, not not really. Like mine, I feel like is the same as like most people's. But um, I, I still remember the first anime I ever watched. I was uh, at my friend's house again. This would be like two thousand five, two thousand six, like the beginning of middle school for me. And I had went to hang out in my friend's house because you know this is when I was, you know, really getting into skateboarding. And uh, so I'd go and skateboard with him after school. So I walked to his house after school and he was already there before me with his older brother and they were watching Dragon Ball GT. And I remember just the fights immediately got me sucked into it. So I I went home and I was like, I need to watch more of these fights. So 
I got on YouTube and I had searched, just searched Dragon Ball Z and spent the whole day just watching clips from Dragon Ball Z. And then from that, I found other similar anime and it just really, the cycle has never end. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something that's for sure. Uh, Probably my first exposure came from my parents have like their group of friends, obviously, and you would go to their house and have dinner on a weekend and their kids would mingle with your kids. No one had a kid my age, so no one had a kid my age. So I mainly had to hang out with my older brother and his friends. So I went into the room one time we were waiting on, I think we were waiting on dinner to be finished up. And they were watching uh, Akira on the TV, small little TV. And that was my first exposure of it. I just always remember that. My brother had the the figure of the cl- big clown biker boss. And uh, yeah, that was, I think that was probably one of the first, my first exposure to it. But obviously, you know, trying to be like the, the fun little brother, you're trying to stay up with your older, older sibling. Um stayed up with him watching Toonami, we'd watch uh, obviously Dragon Ball Z back whenever that was still coming out like new. We watched um, I remember watching Samurai Jack with him as well, but he'd always get to bed before I think Naruto came on so I was really the only one watching that. And then we went to my gra- I think my great grandparents' house one time in uh, Fitzgerald and it was Saturday morning, and he had one of the. He didn't have. I don't think he had cable at the time, so I think it's just whatever local channels you could pick up. And uh, my brother flipped on Saturday morning cartoons, and it was Digimon. So that's that's another one that's got just a special place in my heart, as well as of course Pokemon with the, the first movie, the second movie. Yeah, it's just never cycle never ends. See, one of the shows that has like a deep sentimental value to me, I don't know if you would, I guess you would call it anime because it was in the same style, but it was an American show. But I remember coming home from school on most days, Code Lyoko would be on TV. And that to me was like, just the concept of it was so cool. Like going into an alternate dimension and fighting these monsters. Yeah, I mean, essentially that's just SAO, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. essentially, yeah, I guess the same <laughs> plot as SAO. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I remember that because even then it was playing um, anime and like during yeah yeah because after Kozuko Yu Gi Oh would come on. I'd always remember it's it's that little time slot that you waited for every single day. Yeah, so there's like spies, um, Yu Gi Oh GX, uh, One Piece was on, then Kozuko. I think Total Drama Island was on, wasn't it? I think it it was around the same time. I don't know if it was part of that lineup there. I just remember Totally Spies and all that. That's yeah. a great show, in my opinion. I mean, it was a good show. I don't remember too much about it, but I do remember enjoying Totally Spies. Well, even even Teen Titans as well. That was in an anime style, in my opinion. Yeah. I think most people would... I think most people would agree that it, Teen Titans is anime. Yeah, I mean, it was that styling. I mean, if not, then that it was really close. It was... That's just you waited to get home so you could see those, those yeah, um, those shows. Yeah, uh, I remember being in that mindset of being on the bus and be like, "Oh, who's Yugi gonna fight today? Who's he getting in the duel with?" I guess we can go over some of these topics real quick. We still got a little bit of time. Um, first car, our first thing that I had was 
Is the car scene toxic nowadays? Oh, man. Um, the scene itself, I'm going to say no, because overall it does still bring people together and, you know, you form bonds and friendships with people. But I will say there is a good percent of the car scene who, as individual people, are toxic and, you know, just overall people that I would rather not interact with just because they're the, you know, oh, you know, you the people are like, you don't deserve this car because of X reason or my car is better than yours because of X reason. And it's people like that that have like a superiority complex. Like they're the people that give the car scene a bad name. I can I can agree with that. There has been several people talking to me about my the red the red car that I have. It has the stickers all over it because obviously I like to personalize my vehicle uh, the way I want to. And I've had several people say that it's it looks dumb. Why would you ever do that? You just you should never do that to a car. And I mean, my response is always the if you don't like it then you buy an S13 and you do it the way you want. The dude said the same thing, or same dude said the same thing to me about my uh, Skyline. I added, I think, three stickers to it because it was a gray Skyline and literally whenever we went to Import Alliance, we saw, I think, four or five of the exact same color. Different. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, they were, besides the wheels, all identical. Saying you got to personalize it somehow, or else you know you won't stand out from the crowd and draw attention like you want to. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just it's just dumb to to have that mindset. But there's people that do it for, I guess, a quote unquote clout. They build their cars for other people, not for themselves. We're here. I'm building this car because I like the way it looks. Yeah, see, that's that's the mindset I have is, you know, build a car that you'll enjoy. Don't build a car that someone else is going to enjoy. Do it the way you want to because that way you'll, you know, you're the one that drives it. You're the one that needs to be happy with it at the end of the day. Yeah, and my dad is one of these people that, like, when I do something to my car, he asks, like, oh, why do you do that or why'd you do this? And I say, <laughs> my my response is always because, like, yeah, this, that's, the, the kind of way that they do it in Japan, because that's what I'm trying to model it after. Like my take on Japanese car culture, essentially. Maybe not do it exactly like they do over there, but like take some. Yeah, material. like put your own twist on the Japanese styling. I can say you like respect all builds to a certain degree, but you don't need to trash on everyone, like everyone's car. Dude, my thing is their own way of doing things. If you have a negative opinion about someone's build, you know, keep it to yourself. Like, you know, you're allowed to not like things all you want, but you don't got to make the person, like, you don't have to target that person because you don't like their car or because you don't like a specific thing they did to it. Just keep your negative opinions to yourself. That's that's what I say. Yeah, I can agree with that one. Um, be overall, I would say that it's, it's not super toxic but in a way it can be uh second one is uh bagged cars versus static cars what is your opinion it for me it depends on the build and like what the what's going on with the car personally would i ever own a bagged car no i wouldn't just because you know it's one of those things where it's expensive in the first place and get set up but 
you know, if a bag bursts, that's, you know, a lot of money to replace that bag. Whereas replacing a set of coilovers that get blown out is significantly cheaper. And I, can... I like the performance aspect because I like, you know, I don't build any of the cars I've owned. I've never built one to be flashy. I build them because I want them to drive and handle nice. So I've always had, you know, full adjustable coilovers in all my cars because, you know, I like to make them handle and take corners as well as possible. So in my opinion, I prefer static and I think I will maintain that opinion for a while unless I decide to do a VIP build or something one day. I I can agree with you to a certain degree. The first two cars that I've obviously built, the Volkswagen Passat that I put on cheap coal overs, and then the red, the first rendition of the red 240, I wanted to get low, and I strictly wanted to do it cheaply. So I think even the combined cost of both of the set of the coal overs were cheaper than what one of my sets of BCs cost, in which I think I run BCs on pretty much everything I had, I ran, I ran them on the red 240. I ran them on the van, and I read the, uh, run them on the green 240 the SR. And to me, they all run good. Um, they ride pretty good. They're all fully adjustable. I think if you're going to do a bagged car, it needs to be an American car, like a '56 Bel Air, like a Lincoln, Lincoln Continental, something that's like needs that extra bit of uh, comfort riding. Um, but as far as like Japanese cars go, I always, I prefer static as well, just because it's more impressive if you can get a good look, like a good clean fitment and just make the car look good and still be, I guess, quote unquote functional. Whereas you can, you can park and look nice with a bagged setup, but as soon as you get ready to leave, obviously you're going to air up and then that wheel gap's going to be there. And I mean, I think some people can, I think. I think some people can do a bag setup nice, even whenever it is aired up. But for the most part, uh, static is going to be my go-to. Yeah. No I feel what. like what you were just saying with like you know some people doing it right with the bag setup. I feel like it all depends on the wheel and tire size that they use, and that's why again I said if I did a VIP build because you know I'd have you know the big nineteen twenty inch flashy wheels, which even when it's aired up would fill out the wheel arch relatively well. Yeah. Uh, the next one was our favorite personal like styling of cars. Ooh, all right. We'll do that one to finish it up. All right, I'll let you go first for this one. Okay, so my personal... like I know, obviously, they're like anyone who hears that I have a 240, they're like, oh, usually you're going to go hot boy, just big wheels. I personally... The hot boy look is all right, but to me it's overdone. Um, obviously everyone's Jay-Z swapping cars now left and right where to me that's ever done. I love like late nineties, early two thousands styling of cars where it's like, I think mainly like seventeens, like sixteens, seventeens, unless you have a real boxy car, like a, like a Cresta or something like that. And then the, I think it's Kusha style, like the, the small wheels, like 13 inch wheels, big flares crazy yeah. exhaust to me that's neat just the engineering alone aspect of it is is, is amazing the way these people mold all these by hand i just love the creativity of that style where you know p 
people. Obviously, they can't buy the parts they need, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. just that, that, make them themselves. Just, um, like so cool, and just their lack of their lack of care of what other people think is to me is is the best part. They don't care what you think. It's not built for you, obviously. I like that style, but I also like just the clean, simple. I like stock body Sylvia's and stock well stock body Sylvia's. I'm sorry. Um, that's really where I my stance is. I mean, obviously, I have a Sil 40 on 16 inch Advans, and I also have a S13 with the Pava front end, with 50 millimeter over fenders, and so I can I can kind of build either way. Um, we got one four lug, one five lug, so I can basically go either way I wanted to with it. But yeah, personally, my favorite had to be um, late two thousand or I mean, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, and the Kusha style. Yeah, I feel like you know my favorite style is not too dissimilar from Wesley's. Um, I you know again, like I said. And the last point was uh, if I was focused more on handling rather than looks. So the style I really appreciate because, you know, it's from people that have the same mindset as me. It's like, you know, grassroots, like, you know, missile cars, like, you know, these people don't care if their cars get, you know, beat up, like dented in fenders, as long as it runs good. And the more I see cars like that, the more I like it because, you know, every scratch on that car, every dent, every, you know, mismatched colored panel, there's a story behind that. And from just that aspect alone and being able to talk to people who own these cars and asking them, Oh, how this didn't get here or, you know, how, you know, you get these tire marks on your door and, you know, hearing people's stories about, you know, events they've been to and experiences they've had just from that aspect alone, missile cars is one of my favorite styles. But other than that, I really, really love like the early 2010 styles when like wide bodies were just becoming a thing and rocket bunny was like you know just coming into the mainstream where it wasn't as crazy as the wide body kits today but you know just a nice set of fender flares on a low car it just looks super aggressive to me and that's the style i love go ahead but i think and again this comes from a car that my dad had when i was a kid is the k car style like, I love seeing, like, you know, K-cars like Daihatsu, like that old Daihatsu's lowered on small 13-inch wheels. I, I love that because growing up, you know, for most of my childhood, my dad had a Mazda GLC, which was a little like, tiny three-cylinder, uh, three-door hatch. And I've just always loved, you know, the, the simple stuff. I've never been about anything super flashy. Well, I mean, <laughs> I've run around hot rods and... Most of the time, everyone wants a, a car to stick out, like chrome, everything, bright paint job. So I guess it's there where our differences are. Um, something that always amazes, like amazed me, is the difference in even drift cars between Japan and here. Because you you can look at uh, most of the, I think a couple of the D1 GP cars, they're not low. Well, they're not relatively low. Most of them are like really soft suspension, and to me, that's just that's cool just to see, because most most from what I hear is like you want kind of stiffer suspension, and everyone obviously wants to be super low. See, my main thing about the differences between American 
pro drift cars and the Japanese guys is the choice of motors. It seems like in Japan, they've kind of stuck to the roots, whereas you know, here in America, well, everything is always swapped. That goes along with um, just the availability. Obviously, they can get parts for like Jay-Z's or like, like yeah. Jay-Z's or RB's a lot cheaper than they can. Well, I, not, not even the big motors like that. Like I was telling you a couple of days ago when I was watching the qualifying for the last round of D1GP is uh, I think two of the top qualifiers were just running SRs with tunes on them. But like, I think that nothing also really crazy done to them. Japan, even the SR is a lot of like, it's very, very abundant and you can you can get parts for them a lot easier than you can, let's say an LS if you're over there, where an LS came in a good chunk of the of the the Chevrolets. I mean, you got like the trucks. They don't. I think they don't have the same call out necessarily. Like I think there's LQs, L like LK. I don't know, but they they're just different blocks, but they're still the same platform. So it's just the yeah yeah uh, abundance of motors that you can get, like abundance of parts, stuff like that. That I think is the uh, biggest uh, issue with them running a different motor than if we were to do it here yeah i I can i can see that perspective of it but i I was still like i just think it's crazy that there's people that are still driving on a pro level with a four-cylinder engine and they're able to keep up with these you know inline sixes and v6s that are you know twin turbo yeah it just blows my mind and do that and uh i'm glad to at least know that some people aren't running everything Jay-Z or everything VR or anything like that. Is there any other uh, yeah. topics or anything you wanted to uh, add on? We could end it out on? Um, I, I can't think of anything else for this, uh, for this episode. I think you know, we're leaving on a good um, note right here. Well, Unless there's anything um, else you want to talk about. Not that I can particularly think of. I just want to thank everyone who uh, is going to hopefully listen. Um, this is our first one, so we're really not quite sure how things are going to work out. We're going to try probably a couple different things of how to record. Let's say, uh, for anyone who does anyone who does listen to this, just uh, it might take us a couple couple episodes to really get a good feel for it and figure out exactly uh, what we want to do. So uh, and if you are listening, please be patient with us. If you have any ideas of what we should talk about or anything like in the future, something that we could change, or um, even if you have a favorite styling of car or any opinions that we could probably go off of to discuss new things, uh, just, I guess, leave a comment or whichever way you can to communicate and we'll uh we'll take a look i think that's about it so uh (laughs) yeah that's that's about it man uh how do you want to how do you want to end this thank you and we apologize if there's any uh, like gaps in between time where we just don't know what to say because obviously this is the first time we've ever done anything like this and we're both kind of shy people i assume so yeah just uh Stick with us, and hopefully you've enjoyed thus far and taking a peek into our lives. And uh, we'll figure out how to edit everything. And we're going to try, I think, to do a weekly podcast. But I would like to do it weekly. As far yeah, as I like, think schedule, that's, that's reasonable. That, we're not quite sure. Um, 
once we figure out a thing and well, once we figure out what's going on and kind of gauge how many people even want to listen, <laughs> then we'll go on for that. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the first episode of the uh, Smug Boys podcast. <laughs>